Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our examination of defense attorney Mark Richards' opening statement with a particular focus on his technique and tactics for placing the jurors in his client's shoes on the night of August 25th, 2020. On today's episode, Prosecutor Thomas Binger begins his direct examination of Dominic Black, a friend of Kyle Rittenhouse, and the individual who purchased the AR-15 that Rittenhouse subsequently used to shoot three men on the night of August 25th. Binger questions Black about his relationship with Rittenhouse, about why he purchased the rifle for the underage defendant, and about how Rittenhouse came to possess the rifle on the night of the shootings. That's all coming up right after the break. 
to buy like clay pigeons and ammo. Um, Kyle had also wanted a gun similar to the one I had. Uh, he did not, or I did not have the money for it. So he said he would pay for it. Um, I told him that wasn't a good idea. He wasn't 18, but, uh, we came to an agreement to where he could have it once he is 18. It would be kept at my house until then. So it kind of went on from there. What kind of gun was this? An AR-15. Did you have one of those already? Yes. Did the defendant see that gun that you had? Yes. How how did it come to be that he saw that gun? Um, Just from when I bought it, he had saw it at my house or, you know, just me opening it from the box. And he indicated to you that he wanted a similar type gun? Yes. Did the defendant say anything to you about why he wanted such a gun? No. Prosecutor Binger asks Black to identify the AR-15 that he purchased for Rittenhouse and then enters it into evidence. Binger next pivots to establishing that both Rittenhouse and Black were aware that the weapons purchase was illegal. How old was he in um, May to August of 2020? Um, 17. And you discussed that he couldn't uh, have a gun because he was 18. Is that something that you and the defendant actually talked about? Yes. Can you tell us about those discussions? Uh, it was more along the lines of he would be 18 soon. Um, I told him I didn't want to do it because I knew it wasn't, you know, I, obviously he can't buy it legally. Um, we did agree that it wouldn't be his until he was 18, and he was aware of that. Um, and from then on, it did stay at my house. So when you were up in Ladysmith, I think you said you went to a local store uh, to purchase the gun. Is that correct? Yes. In whose name was the gun purchased? Mine. So you were the legal registered owner of the gun? Yes. Where did the money come from to get that gun? Kyle. After the gun was purchased in Ladysmith, uh, did the defendant use it? Yes. Tell us about that. Um, we just target practiced. Um, we bought a, a pretty good amount of ammo and just shot clay pigeons and uh, just went to the woods on our property. As Black becomes noticeably uncomfortable and stumbles through his response, Binger segues to asking Black why he purchased his own semi-automatic rifle. Can you help us understand, Mr. Black, why you were interested in having an AR-15? Um, I kind of wanted like a personal project. I had mostly only had hunting guns and I wanted to try something new to target shoot. Um, I have a lot of family with guns like that. Uh, they kind of find it a hobby to build them up and put different attachments on them. So I figured I would try and get into it as well. How long had you owned that AR-15? I want to say two, three months. Before May or before all? Before May. Okay. And in that time period, had you made any modifications or additions to the gun? Just the scope. I assume if life had kept going forward like normal, you would have continued to do so? Yes. Okay. Binger's purpose in asking this line of questions is not clear, but he soon moves on to asking Black about how he stored the rifle. After you and the defendant returned to Kenosha from Ladysmith and the defendant that you you'd purchased this gun for the defendant, what happened to the gun after that? It was locked up in the safe. Which safe is that? Uh, the one in the garage. It was the one that you required a code to open. That's the garage at your father's place? Yes. Here in Kenosha? Yes. Judge Schrader interjects to correct Prosecutor Binger, asserting that it was actually Black's stepfather, not his father, who held Rittenhouse's rifle for him. Did you have a code to open that safe? No. Who did? Only my stepdad. So the defendant didn't either? No. Why 
didn't the defendant take that AR-15 back to Antioch with that? Because we were in agreement that he wouldn't do that. What was the reason why? He was 17. Was the defendant accepting of that? Did he understand that? Yes. How did it come to be that he gained possession of that gun on August 25th? My dad had took a lot of the weapons we had out of the safe due to all the rioting and uh, stashed them inside the house in case somebody were to come break into our house. And that gun happened to be one of those weapons. Do you know how the defendant took possession of it that day? I do not. All, I, all I'm aware of is that it was downstairs. When did you first see the defendant with that weapon that day? Um, When I was in the kitchen. So about, I want to say a few hours before we left. And tell us what you saw when you were in the kitchen. Um, I saw him coming up the stairs with it. With the air? Yes. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. After establishing how Kyle Rittenhouse took possession of the AR-15 on the day of the shootings, Binger asks Black to walk him through what they did next. Where did you go when you went down by the lake? Uh, at first we had parked by a friend's house, and then we walked to, I want to say, the back parking lot of Ruther. And what did you do there? Uh, we met up with our friend Nick, and then we proceeded to go to the car source locations. You, when you say Nick, do you mean Nick Smith? Yes. When you say car source locations, we've heard some testimony about three different locations. Um, can you help us understand which one you're talking about? The first one we went to was the one that would be closest to us right now. So further south. And when you say we went there, was that the defendant, you and Nick Smith? Yes. What happened then? Then we met the owner once again, and he gave us a ride to the north location and dropped us off. Okay, I'm sorry. You say you met the owner once again. When was the first time that you met him? Previously in the day. Um, I want to say it was around morning time when we were cleaning up all the graffiti. Me, him, and my brother Ray decided to go down to the lake and kind of just look at how things were. And then from there on, we decided to help clean. When you say you went down to the lake, do you mean the actual beach lakefront or do you mean downtown? Downtown. Where did you go when you went downtown the first time? We parked right next to the car source location that had already been burnt down, and then we walked across Sheridan to Ruther. As we have described in previous episodes, the streets of Kenosha's downtown form a grid. Sheridan Road runs north-south parallel to Lake Michigan. The numbered streets cross Sheridan, and the numbers get higher as you head south. So, the 59th Street car source is north of the 63rd Street car source store. Binger uses a map as a visual aid. Can you describe for us when you were at that particular car source location, which is on the northeast corner of 59th and Sheridan, what did you observe? Um, every car was burnt to ash. Um, there's a lot of garbage and graffiti everywhere. Now, there's a structure on that property, uh, an office of some sort. Did you observe that office as well? Yes, it was burnt down. Did you look inside? No. 
Um, is it fair to say that every car in that lot was burned to the to the chassis almost? Yes. Okay. Again, Binger's strategy in eliciting this portion of Black's testimony is unclear, but he soon moves on to ask Black several crucial questions regarding their weapons. Did you have your guns? Yes. Did you have any ammunition for your gun? Yes. You personally? Yes. Do you know if the defendant did? Yes. We've had some discussions uh, at various points already in this case about a strap or some sort of uh, device for uh, retaining the gun. Did you have that type of item with you? Yes. And did the defendant? Yes. Do you know how those were, uh, how you acquired those? Yes, from uh, Jelensky's. When did you do that? Um, I want to say the middle of that day in between us getting back from cleaning up graffiti and before we left. Why did you want to slide? So we didn't have to hold it the entire time we were walking. Do you recall if you and the defendant both got the same kind of sling? Yes, we did. Who actually went in and purchased the sling? Kyle. Binger next transitions to asking Black about his and Rittenhouse's interactions with Sam, the owner of the car source stores. Now, did you, at this particular moment when you were meeting with Sam that day, did you observe the condition of that particular car source location? Yes. What did it, how did it appear to you? It wasn't entirely destroyed, but there were some cars that were damaged. When you say damaged, what sort of what did the damage look like? Um, like kicked in doors and hoods and shattered windshields. Did there appear to be any fire damage? No. What about the building? Did you make any observations of that? It was just boarded up. And when you talked to Sam that first time, this first conversation, what did you talk about? Um, we basically just talked about uh the defamation that he had in his last the one that had actually burned down and how much money he lost and uh how deeply he would be in in case all his other buildings did burn down. And was that was there anything more that you talked about with him? Um, we did exchange phone numbers in case he needed any help. Did you feel at that point like you wanted to help him? I mean, my hope was definitely there, but I didn't offer any help at that point. Do you know if the defendant did? I'm unaware. And when you say exchange phone numbers with Sam, did you personally give him your number? Um, yes. Did, do you know if the defendant did? Yes. Using a pointer on a map, Black then tells Binger that he, Kyle Rittenhouse, and Nick Smith walked one block south from the heavily damaged 58th Street car source to the relatively unaffected 59th Street car source location. I was, we were kind of just following Nick. Um, about halfway there, we found out that we were meeting uh, the owner, Sam, again. Did you actually meet the owner, Sam, again? Uh, we met his brother, so the other owner. Where physically on that map can you use the pointer to show us where you actually met with the brother? Right there. So you're pointing again to that same car source at 59th and Sheridan? Yes. On the southwest corner? Yes. Was uh, When you met with him, do you remember were you in the building? Were you outside? We were outside. Do you remember what you talked about? Um, we just talked about um, pretty much how to get in if we needed to. And then Nick had brought up if there was any way to get on the roof and if there was any keys we needed to get inside. Why were you having this discussion with the brother at that time? Pretty much just to know where to stand, um, to make sure that a lot of us were safe and what we were allowed to do, and if we were allowed to go inside the building in case something happened. So it sounds like there was some discussion of uh, physically staying at that location. Yes. Why? Um, that's one of the locations we didn't want to end up burning down. Was it your intention then to stay and protect that car source location? Yes. Was that something that the defendant was also planning to do, as far as you know? Yes. What about Nick Smith? Him too? Yes. What happened after you met with the brother at that car source? 
me, Kyle, and Nick had got a ride from the brother to the, I want to say, south location, and then he had dropped us off there. Binger gets Black to clarify that the south location was the car source location at 63rd and Sheridan, which, like the 59th Street location, was relatively undamaged. He then continues. When you got down there, did the brother stick around or did he leave? He stayed for about 30 minutes and then he left. What was going to be the plan for that night? Uh, the plan was to have a decent amount of us split up between the two locations and then kind of stay there to make sure nothing bad happened. So the two of you were going to be assigned to protect the 59th Street car source? Yes. Once you got there, is that where you personally stayed for the rest of the night? Yes. And again, you had your gun? Yes. And the defendant had his as well? Yes. Binger next asks Black to elaborate on what they did while they were guarding the car source location at 59th Street. Tell us about what you did when you were at 59th Street car source. Um... I had climbed the ladder and got on the roof of the building to kind of just watch out for people. And that's kind of where it's where I stayed all night. Why did you decide to go up on the roof? Um, I kind of didn't want to be in the mix of a, a lot of problems. I didn't want any, you know, I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want to cause any problems. Figured it would be a lot safer up on top. Why did you bring your gun? In case something bad did happen and I needed to protect myself. When you say something bad happened, what were you worried about happening? Anything. Um being shot at, you know, somebody coming up on the roof. I mean, there's a ladder in the back, so anybody could get up, anything, you know. So if someone climbed up on the roof, were you going to use that gun? Not really. I mean, it depends what they were doing. You talked about not wanting to be on the ground because of uh, your concern about things happening on the ground. Did you feel that if you stayed on the ground, you would be in greater danger? Yes. Why was that? People could easily get access to hurting me or coming up closer to me. When you say people, what anyone, are you worried about? Anyone riding, you know, anybody that was there for the wrong intentions. In eliciting this answer from Black, Binger's intent is clear. He is drawing the juror's attention to Dominic Black's decision to protect the car source store from the roof out of harm's way. And he is implicitly contrasting that decision with the defendant's choice to remain on the volatile streets of Kenosha. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we complete our coverage of Prosecutor Binger's direct examination of Dominic Black and move on to take a look at the cross-examination of Black by defense attorney Mark Richards. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Dewana Spates. It was co-produced by Chris Terracone and Aaron Karenik. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. The episode was edited by Chris Terracone. 
Music for the episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.